From the Broad Institute of MIT and Harvard in Cambridge, Massachusetts, it's the Broad Ignite podcast. Each month, we feature a researcher supported by this program, which connects rising philanthropists with emerging scientific talent. Learn more at giving.broadinstitute.org slash broadignite. Broadignite, seeding the next generation of biomedical visionaries. I'm Jenny Rood, your host for this episode. Previously on the Broad Ignite podcast, Jesse Bohm, the associate director of the Broad's cancer program and an advisor to Broad Ignite, introduced us to some of the exciting scientists who have been funded by the program. Daniel MacArthur works at the Mass General Hospital. Uh, his project focuses on ending the diagnostic odyssey for patients with these rare diseases. You know, people present in the clinic, they have these bizarre symptoms, they go from doctor to doctor, and no one can give them a diagnosis. Daniel is using some of the genetic tricks that the Broad Institute can use to try to figure out whether he can end that diagnostic odyssey for a subset of these patients, and he's been able uh, to do that using Broad Ignite funding. Today, we'll be talking with Daniel and the lead analyst in his group, Monkel Leck, who are working together to improve rare disease diagnosis. Daniel and Monkel, welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much for having us. Thanks for having us. Excited to be here. So obviously neither of you has a Boston accent. Monkel, can you tell us where you're from? Sure. I was born in Cambodia, the youngest of seven children. And my family in 1981, when I was just a baby, fled the Khmer Rouge to come to Australia as refugees. I grew up in Western Sydney. And when I finished high school, I wanted to work on computers. And I was very interested in how we could use computers to make people's lives better. So Daniel, how did you meet Monkal? At the time that we met, I was a graduate student at a, a lab in um, also out in Western Sydney, uh, that Monkel actually came out and visited as, as part of a tour to try to figure out where he wanted to, to go on and continue his PhD work. Um, he later came back and joined as, a, um, as a, a PhD student in the lab, which was fantastic for me because I had someone who actually knew programming and could teach me how to program. And in fact, all of my early uh, programming experience came from lessons from Monkel. Great. So, Monkel, how did you end up going to grad school in biology? Well... Two years of working in IBM, I got the diagnosis that I had muscular dystrophy. Um, I wanted to go back in university and know three things. The first thing I wanted to know more about my disease. The second thing I wanted to know was, uh, why was it so hard and challenging to find the gene that's causing my disease? And the last thing, I wanted to know why there was no treatment. And, and having known all that, I wanted to contribute to that effort. So it's clear, um, Moncal, why you were interested in, in studying rare muscle disease. How about you, Daniel? What was motivating for you? So I had, having done my PhD in the same lab as Moncal, which was really a lab that was focused on diagnosing rare muscle diseases, I, I was surrounded at the time by clinicians and researchers really focused on that question. What, what is it that's going wrong in these families with these diseases? How does muscle work and how does it go wrong? When, when I left the lab, I went on to a postdoc position in Cambridge in the UK where I changed my focus completely and worked instead on large-scale human genomics and computational biology, working in the early days of the Thousand Genomes Project. But then when I started my own lab in Boston for about four and a half years ago now, it, it really made sense to try to bring those two strands together to try to figure out how we could apply the genomic methods that I'd learned about in the UK 
to the types of diseases that Monkwell suffers from and that affect so many uh, undiagnosed families around the world. So I'd love to get into a bit more about the, the details of the work that you're doing and uh, with your colleagues to help improve this sort of diagnostic journey for, for patients and their families. Monkel, can you speak a little bit about how the current diagnostic journey is different from your own experience? Yeah, yeah, sure. So at the age of 19, I started noticing that I was having problems doing everyday things. So going upstairs, um, standing up for long periods of time, and also picking up things from the ground. And uh, what was very frustrating at the time is a lot of doctors because of my age, thought it was just a temporary thing that would go away. And unfortunately, so did my parents. It was only until one doctor actually ordered a blood test and found out that I had an indication that I had muscle damage, which was unusual for someone um, of my age and someone that hadn't actually ran a marathon, for example. So it wasn't until a few more years that I got an official diagnosis that I had a form of muscular dystrophy, but they still didn't know what gene caused the muscular dystrophy. So at the time, uh, the technology that was available and techniques, um, they'd had to test each gene one by one um, that caused um, my disease. And it wasn't until at the age of 32 that they actually finally found the, the disease-causing gene. So nearly about a decade later from first discovering I had something wrong with me to actually knowing the disease gene. So after going on that journey, when I came to Boston, I wanted to work with technologies to rapidly reduce that time that patients have to wait. And, and the technology that was available four years ago and that we're still using here uh, allows us to look at all the genes at once. And so it's a lot more efficient in terms of the time it takes and also efficient in terms of the costs. And then we can rapidly narrow down the disease-causing genes, so in a matter of months now. So Daniel, uh, to switch gears a bit, you were one of the first scientists who got funding from Brodignite. Can you tell us what you did with the money? Sure. So our standard process for diagnosing these muscle disease patients at the moment is really focused on looking at their DNA. So to, trying to read their DNA to understand what changes exist there and then how, what sort of impact those might have on genes. What we were interested in doing with the Brodignite money was using a separate technology called RNA sequencing to look at a different molecule in muscle cells, uh, RNA, which gives us information about the structure and the expression of particular genes within that tissue. So we use the Brodignite funding to sequence the RNA from the muscle of 50 patients with undiagnosed muscle disease. A really bright young PhD student in the lab, Beryl Cummings, was able to design a whole series of different analytical methods to look at that RNA sequencing data. And we were able to find, as a result of that, answers in 17 of those families where DNA sequencing had not worked in giving us an answer, um, that we could then return back to the families as, as formal diagnoses. So it, it sounds like the Brodignite funding actually made a, a difference in, in patients' lives. I mean, I think that's true for any situation where we can return a diagnosis back to the family is important. Um, in this case, for instance, we were able to diagnose one family. They had a, a young girl affected by a disease called nemaline myopathy. They had elected not to have additional children until they had a genetic diagnosis. Um, because they wanted to be able to make sure that they could test future children to ensure they didn't have the disease. So we were able to return back a genetic diagnosis to that family that now means they can go on and, and, and have more, more pregnancies, confident that their future children will not be affected. 
So what's it like to get a seed grant like Broad Ignite while you're still fairly early in your career? I mean, you said your lab's only about four and a half years old. Uh, this sort of flexible funding is incredibly important in, uh, in any young researcher's career. Most research funding comes from organizations like the National Institutes of Health or the NIH. The grants that the NIH provides uh, tend to be quite large and there's a very long turnaround time between when you apply for funding and when you might actually receive that funding. And so that means it's extremely difficult to test innovative new ideas in that funding system. With a grant like the Brodignite grant, that provides very rapid, flexible funding that we can use to, for instance, take a novel idea like RNA sequencing for diagnosis, apply it to a relatively small number of patients, prove that it's working, and then use that data to apply for much larger scale funding from organizations like the NIH. So this really was a transformative grant. Can you give an example of how seed funding has then led to a larger grant in, in your case? Yeah, so I think I have a great example in this case. So we were, we were fortunate to get two early stage seed grants, one from the Broad Ignite process, another one from a, another Broad Institute process called, the Spark, called Spark Funding. And with preliminary data from those two grants, we were able to put together an, an application for NIH funding that ultimately led to a $13.5 million grant from the NIH to, to form a new center for Mendelian genomics at the Broad Institute. And that now allows us to apply the DNA and RNA sequencing methods that we've developed to thousands of rare disease families every year. Terrific. Thanks so much to both of you for stopping by. Thanks so much. It was great. Thanks for having us. And thanks for also giving us an opportunity to talk about the exciting research that we're doing. This has been the Brooding Night Podcast. Stay tuned for our next episode and learn how the next leap in genome editing might come from a humble organism that feasts on pond scum. The Broad Ignite podcast is produced by Bradford Krieger of Big Nice Studio. Special thanks to Scott Sassone from the Broad's communications department. And of course, a huge thank you to our fantastic community of Broad Ignite supporters. Learn more at giving.broadinstitute.org slash broadignite.